Well, good morning. Do you enjoy our time of, of worship together? Michelle was sharing an uh, intercessory prayer this morning as we were praying for you and praying over um, our time together this morning that when God hears us, He just doesn't see us individually, but He sees us as one bride, worshiping together. And that's something that's beautiful. What When you lift up your praise and adoration and when you enter His courts with thanksgiving, how many of you know that pleases the heart of God? And that He loves to hear how much you love Him. He's, he says that He's a jealous God. He's jealous for our affection. And so know that you've touched the heart of God this morning when you pour out your love and thankfulness. Just as uh, the, those that around you, you love to express your love for them. And you love to hear how much those that you love, love you. Yeah. Something special that happens when we lift up Jesus and we exalt Him over everything, over every situation, over every circumstance in our life. You know, even this morning, we were uh, down in, our, in the office just going over the service and, and praying for the service as well. And uh, really what the word is this morning, it's healing a broken world. And as we were down there this morning, we just began to talk of different ones and their jobs and families and workplaces and situations of brokenness that needs the healing power of God. It doesn't take a smart person to see that we live in brokenness all around us, right? That there's brokenness. You know people that are broken. You know, heck, there's Christians that are broken that need healing in their lives. There's mindsets that we have that need healing. You know, tomorrow, and, and as we've tra- trained our church to understand uh, through Mr. Shubat and through Rescue Christians to understand God's war on and, and how we're to deal with all the terrorism things that happened. A year ago tomorrow was when the crazy terrorist attack in France happened where the terrorists blowed through a busy street of people. So we, see, we know that brokenness is all around us. And so that's where we have to turn to God. That's where we have to turn to His world with something as extreme as a terrorist attack to something as simple of, I'm broken in my way of thinking. We have to understand that God wants to bring healing. He wants to, the gospel wants to light up every area in our lives and heal those areas. Amen? Is any, am I, I don't know if you're like me, but do you realize that you need healing in your life? You need healing spiritually. We speak it every morning or every time we gather together. In all five areas of our life, we want the healing hand of God to be operating. And I want to show us and I want to look at how Jesus was very serious about this. As we call ourselves disciples and followers of Christ, is that he puts a healing ministry in our lives. That whatever our world is, we're to go into it and be a healing presence. Because God uses people, God uses his followers to go and be Christ wherever we go. And so this morning, I pray that you're going to be encouraged, that your heads are going to be lifted, that you might be struggling with what's purpose or what is God calling me to do or what is my role in this season of life. Is that you're going to see no matter what your circumstance or whatever you find your place, the mission of what God has called us to do always remains the same until we go and, and we're to be with Him. When we leave this earth, we want to be able to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So I want to pray real quick over the word and then want to jump into it. Father, we thank you again 
that we're here this morning on purpose for a purpose. God, I pray that you lift every head, that you encourage every weary soul this morning. God, we thank you for the mission that you've called the church to be. God, we want to be the church that we see in the book of Acts, God, that went out in power and confidence and saw signs, wonders, and miracles and saw you work in the routine of everyday life. God, we want to see your presence in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know what's pretty neat about Jesus, and I've shared it before, but Jesus is a bridge builder. When you see wherever he went, whatever he did, he was able to bring unity and a lot of tension. He caused a lot of tension, but he brought the power of God into it to bring unity. That's what was always awesome about Jesus. Um, And here's scripture I want you to look at, because this is what Jesus desires to do in areas of tension even in our lives. And what tension we see is, in the Bible, all throughout, you see that there's the world, and then you see that there's the church. But Jesus never intended for the church to be huddled up over here, and then we look to the world and judge them and point at them and say they're doing this and they're doing that wrong. But he desired for the church to engage into it and to change it. What is the scripture we all know that we grew up on? For God so loved the world that he gave. You know, when you want to love the world or when you want to love what God's mission was, that when we get saved and become disciples and say we're followers of Jesus, we get uh, direction to then we go and then we heal the world around us. But look at what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave. When you love, it requires that you give something of you. And that's as we talked last week, that's where obedience has to come in. That no matter how hard it is, no matter how hard it is to love that person or that situation, we have to be obedient to God. So look at Ephesians 1.10. This is uh, Paul talking. It says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. So God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit intends for us to go into the world and bring them in, to make them one, to heal the world around us. Look at, that's how Jesus was, what, fully human and fully God. He was fully divine, fully human. So he brought the two together to bring heaven into earth. He built that bridge, and so when we engage in that, then we can see heaven brought into our lives, every area of our life, and see the healing hand of God. And so we know that Jesus desires to heal a broken world. And as I said, how does he go about that? What's his plan? What's his formula? Well, there's this word, and we read it through the Bible, and this has been the heart of this church for many years, is to bring the five-fold ministry together to equip the saints, which are you and I, to go and bring healing to a broken world. That when you come to church, you're getting discipled, you're getting filled, but you just don't stay in that place, then you go and you bring it out. And what you see, what Jesus used and what the New Testament is full of, is when you say you're a follower of Christ, you become a disciple, and then as you're being discipled and being healed, then you therefore turn into an apostle. And all an apostle means, what that breakdown is, is one who is sent. That God sends you into the world as an apostle to go and preach the kingdom of God, to go and heal the sick. And I want to look at scripture this morning because that was the heart behind Jesus as he sent apostles out, as he sent disciples out. 
that he put a mission attached to that, that he gives you that spiritual authority to accomplish it. Because if you, if there's a mission given to you, but you don't have the authority to do it, then you're not going to operate in it. But you need to know this morning that Jesus, through the Spirit of God, has given you authority to bring healing to a broken world. He's given the church, the body of Christ, authority to bring healing in every situation. Now, we might not always see it, but the promise remains. But how do we get through the promise? We have to understand, again, last week, what did we say? That every concept, so healing is a concept, needs context, and that context will bring clarity of how that comes about in our lives. So look at what Scripture says. And this is Luke 10, 1 through 2, and then I want to look at 8 and 9 where you see Jesus sends the 70 out. But look what he says before he goes to send them out. He says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and and placed where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, if we were to think of what, say, for example, the population of Florence was, I don't know, how much is it? 32,000. All right, there we go. Spirit of God gave you that. So the population of Florence is 32,000. Right, okay. He used him to give you, okay. You know, there's not churches in our area that can fit 32,000 people in it, let alone Union and Walton and all the surrounding cities. So there should be a passion within us to be fueled by reaching unchurched people. That we're just not going after, you know, it's good to disciple, but there needs to be a passion where we go after people who know nothing of who God is and how God can heal their life and heal their brokenness and put purpose in their life. And so he's saying that, hey, the harvest is great. There's 32,000 people in Florence. I'm sending out 70 of you to go and reach these 32,000 people. But how many of us know he never sends us alone? He sends us in authority and he sends us in power. And so we see time after time, Jesus would always say that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. You know, the story of the Samaritan woman, we've, the woman at the well, we've talked about that here and there throughout the past few months. But something that's amazing in the same breath is he's sharing about the woman at the well. Uh, there's a scripture where Jesus says that lift your heads for the fields are ripe. The harvest is ripe. Go and get it. The harvest he's talking about, and this is what we never see. When we think harvest, we're thinking, okay, I'm going to get my miracle. I'm going to get my breakthrough. I'm kicking down walls. I'm going after it. But the harvest that Jesus was talking about when he said, lift your head, disciples, and look to the harvest. Here's what the context of that was. Is that when the Samaritan woman, if you know the story, she ran into town because she had just experienced Jesus. So she went and told all of her family, all of her friends, you need to experience who this Jesus is. But the thing is, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. They were of a different race, different culture, different language. There was hatred, anger, and tension between the two. And so for Jews and Samaritans to have anything in common or alike was was unheard of. This was hundreds of years of tension that was there and no healing in sight. But again, as I said, Jesus was all about going into uncomfortable situations and bringing healing into those areas. A lot of us experience uncomfortable situations in our life. 
And many of us are praying for healing and understanding and wisdom of how to handle it. Jesus wants to impart that into your life. But look what happens here. When he tells the disciples to lift their heads and look at the fields at the ripe and the harvest is ready, what he's talking about is the disciples, as they lifted their heads, they saw the Samaritan people coming in. And so the harvest he was talking about was the Samaritan people. People that they didn't get along with, they didn't like, they never blended in, didn't communicate. So the very thing that he was saying, this is your harvest, the very thing that we want to get excited about sometimes can be the hardest thing to ever have to face in our life. For the disciples, it was the Samaritan people. For you, it might be a situation when Jesus says the harvest is there, it might be a boss that you work with that you can't stand that God might be using you to reach. Or it might be a marriage that you feel is, is there any repair here? Or there's been so much that's happened, we're not even connected anymore. He might be wanting you to bring healing in that marriage. Again, as we said last week, obedience is tough. We can speak and say and proclaim and name it all we want, but obedience is hard. You know, if you were to say compassion, which a lot of the times we hear is love and action, but if you were to say compassion to the ancient church, those that helped build the church from the ground up, how they would understand compassion would mean the ability to suffer through. A lot of us, when we get into a rough situation or feel we get in a pickle, we want to jump out and run as far away from it as possible. But Jesus... And what the Word of God teaches is He wants to give us compassion and gives, give us the ability to suffer through it because of what He's wanting to build inside of us and build through us. But a lot of the times we abort, call the parachute and get out of the plane. When He's wanting, He purposed us right there for a reason. And we have to understand that He wants to give us compassion to be able to suffer through it. Because it takes compassion to stay in a place you don't want to stay in. Anybody been there before? And so that's the harvest that Jesus is talking about. Look at, as he goes on, Luke 10, 8 through 9. He's giving them instruction that when you go into these cities, this is what you should do. He's giving them a lot of, these are what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat. But here's the purpose and the mission in verse 9, what he gives them. He says, and heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's the purpose he gave them. That's the focus he wanted them to have. As you go and you read through it, you'll see that this was the focus. He said, go and heal the sick. And notice that he's not saying, go and just pray for the sick. He's saying, go and heal the sick. So look at the authority that God was giving them. Go and heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. You know, that's the mission we have. That's the gospel. Go and tell people the gospel, that the kingdom of God is here, that Jesus made a way. That you don't have to stay in your pit. You can be healed. You can come up out of those areas in your life. You take it a step back. Again, I want to show that this is a focus that Jesus has given us authority to do. You go back a verse or a a chapter and you look at Luke chapter 9. This is where he's commissioning his apostles or his disciples. And you know what's neat is you read throughout the Gospels. Jesus would always refer to his disciples, not just disciples or not just apostles, but you see the language mixed up a lot. Because he never just desired us to be just a disciple, 
or just one who goes, but it's this rhythm that you get in where I'm being discipled, I'm being filled, I'm learning, I'm being healed, and then I go and take my testimony, I go and take the word of God, and I be, I'm sent out to go and to heal. It's simple. But this is the, the rhythm that God desires us to live in as a church. And when we do, we see the provision of God come. And you know what's funny is Jesus was giving the 70 and the apostles instruction. He, he even said something as you go and you read it. Don't take money from people. Why? Because he wanted them to be dependent on him. He wanted them, them to be dependent on him. So look what he says again as he sends out the apostles and the disciples. <clears throat> Verse 9, it says, Then he called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure disease. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Same mission, same focus. So this morning, if Jesus was here speaking to us, which he is, he would say something just like this. Hey, church, I've called you. I've sent you out to heal the sick and to tell your family, to tell everyone around you, the kingdom of God is near. Okay, if I go and tell someone the kingdom of God is near, they're going to look at me like, what the heck are you talking about? What, is, what does it look like to tell people the kingdom of God is near? It's to live the kingdom in your life. It's to live in love. It's to live in joy. It's to live in peace, to have patience. What is one of the fruits of the Spirit that we don't look at a lot? It's long-suffering, compassion. Long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit that God puts in our lives to stay in a mess to bring healing. God just doesn't heal us and make us new and put us in a comfortable place. He heals us, then he puts us back into the disease, back into the discomfort to be Jesus in that situation to bring healing. But a lot of the times, the place that he puts us, it's like, I can't do this, or I don't feel I can do this, is the, again, the very place, the harvest that he's put in your hands. But you have to be in this rhythm of being discipled and then knowing you're sent, because if you have one without the other, then you're going to be overexhausted, you're going to be burnt out, and you're just going to feel that you're just doing it in yourself. Am I preaching good this morning? And so we have to know we're apostles. Every one of us here are apostles. And whatever a situation that you feel you've been sent into or you might feel like you've been blindsided and didn't even know you were in a situation, but I believe after this morning you're going to see, well, maybe this situation or circumstance I'm in, what if God would use me to be a solution? What if, he would, what if he has put me here for such a time as this? Well, I can tell you probably has. Because he's given you authority to change it. You know, there's been times in our almost three years of marriage where we've been through really tough times that we've had to walk through, and we've been through really good times. But I can tell you I'm thankful I didn't give up in a tough time because of what God was teaching me or what God was teaching Bree because it was the very thing that he was teaching us to have some long suffering in that moment that brought us through, that healed us, made us whole. And, and we, we talked about, we talk about it. We're like, thank God we didn't give up there. Or we didn't look down there. Or we didn't start to think, well, what, why are we experiencing this? Anytime in any relationship, and this is just relationship advice, relationships always work. The relationships just don't happen. It takes being intentional. 
I want to look at, and this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, just because one, growing up, how neat it was, and it's like, man, how awesome would that be to happen? Because growing up, you know, I'd always hear Pastor Joyce talk about signs, wonders, and miracles, people getting up out of wheelchairs, because that's what the power of God can do. And this was just a, a passage of Scripture that speaks of this, and seeing how God used the apostles and how he used Paul to be a channel of his power, because you are a channel of the power of God wherever you go. And the thing is, when we come to church and we worship before the altar of God, we're reminded of who we are. Because we need it. We need to be reminded of the authority we have. Because when you don't stay in a place of filling yourself or staying in God's word or knowing the promises of God, the devil's quick to come and to tell you who you're not and what you can't do and who you can't be and the thing that you do deserve. But when the reckless love of God comes in and tears down every wall and lights up every shadow in your life, then you're reminded, as you were in worship this morning, He loves me. He's healed me. He can use me. His grace is amazing. I need to go and tell the world that His grace is amazing. Our world needs more than ever the truth of God's Word that how amazing His grace is. And how it changes and transforms every place in your life. Because at some point, in some way, in some area of our life, we have been lost. Whether it's lost to a wrong way of thinking of who you are. Whether it's lost to a path of sin. We've been lost in some way, shape, or form. And it was by the grace of God that He found us. He healed us. He saved us. He forgave us. And He set us up and put authority into our life to go and then do the same with other people. Think about the impact that people or family or a pastor or a leader or a children's pastor or a youth pastor have had on your life. Someone to tell you, hey, God's got a plan for you. Hey, there's purpose in your life. If that person would have never understood that Jesus calls us to bring healing and to say the kingdom of God can operate in your life, then you might not be sitting here this morning. But look at the scripture. Acts chapter 5, 12 through 20. Again, the church is being built from the ground up. And you see amazing things start to happen. Verse 12 says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. So they were like, okay, we see that it's tough being a part of what you're doing. It comes at a great cost. And that's what we have to know about Christianity. It comes at a cost. That's why Jesus says you have to count the cost. It said, yet none of the rest dare join them, but the people esteem them. So they're like, you go and do it. We're going to stay over here and cheer you on. <laughs> that's the easy way out. But it says, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So here's what's neat. Here's what I love. It says, so they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. That at least, look at this. Look at how wild this is. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. His shadow had healing power in it. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding city of Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
what if people started coming through the door, even right now, started coming through the doors that were sick, that had unclean spirits, tormented by demons? Because here's the thing, is things start to escalate or whatever might happen in someone's world when everything gets frazzled and razzled. What starts to happen? You, you get out of your comfort zone, you get out of your routine, you feel broken, your whole world's crashing. You start to see what someone's really made of or you start to see what you're made of. And that's where either you dig into the roots of, of faith and, and hope and who Jesus is and the hope of God's word or your whole life falls apart. And so, again, that might even be you and I coming in this morning where a circumstance or a death in a family or a life event happened where we feel our whole world and our whole purpose has gone out that door. But look what happened. That they saw the power of God, the healing power, they preached the kingdom of God is near, so they went and brought all the sick people and just laid them out on the street because they were desperate for God. And they said, even if just his shadow could pass over us. So just imagine you were there. Imagine you were just watching up on a second balcony building and you saw what was happening. Like, why are they pulling people out of hospitals and out of homes and just laying them in streets? And so just imagine a whole line of sick people. And here comes Peter and the apostles. I'm sure they had a little pep in their step and they were worshiping God. And as they just began to walk, his shadow touched them and people were healed. As an apostle, what is your shadow reflecting? What is, is your shadow reflecting, reflecting healing? Is it reflecting the goodness of God? Or are people afraid to be around your shadow because of what you bring into a situation or into a room? And this is, again, a hard pill of self-examination. Me and Bree take one every morning. It's good for you. But what is your shadow reflecting? Because as apostles and as disciples, it should reflect healing. But again, if we're in a situation that we feel uncomfortable or don't want to be in, or, okay, God, I don't think you put me here because it's, it's not what I am called to do. No, you're called to bring healing and preach the kingdom of God. That is your calling. That is the calling of the church. It's the calling it's been for 2,000 years. And it's time we step up into our authority and into that place. And again, all personalities look different when you reflect the authority of God, but it's going into a situation and being a mature, level-headed believer. My dad was telling me a story of an article he was reading, and it was about uh, a woman who was asking, how do I, he was, she was talking to a pastor, how do I know that I'm spiritually mature? How do I gauge my growth as a Christian? You ever ask God that? Am I growing? I don't, am I growing? Because if you're not growing, you're going backwards. That's just how it works. You just don't stay in the same place as a Christian. And so this pastor answered this woman that question of how do I gauge my spiritual growth? How am I growing? Here's what it was. And it's, when I heard it, it kind of was a, wow, that's true. But how do I gauge my spiritual growth, pastor? And the pastor looked back and her said, well, how are you loving those in your life that have hurt you? How have you forgiven those in your life? Because it's those people that have hurt us or stabbed us in the back or who have you know, done some, some terrible things, the things we went through at the bait of Satan. Are you walking in forgiveness? Because as Jesus said, forgive them. One of his seven things on the cross was forgive them for they not know what they have done. How are you walking in forgiveness in your life? 
Because that's one of the toughest places as believers to walk is forgiveness. Because we want to feel right. We want to justify. Listen to this too. What's one of the devil's tactics that he uses? He twists the word of God, right? We see it in the Garden of Eden. Because here's the thing. If you want to justify a life of sin or a life of gray, which our nature loves to do, make us feel right in a situation or what's a boundary in a relationship or all these kind of things. The devil is always so good to take a scripture and to just twist it a little bit to make you feel good about what you're in and to put the discomfort of the conviction of God off. And so that's where you have to know that a tactic the devil might be using in your life is to take a scripture to make you feel justified because when you read your Bible, when you read scripture that says not even a hint, those kind of scriptures scare me. Not even a hint Jesus talks about. What did, he, what did Paul tell Timothy? Flee from youthful lust. Free from lust of the world. And even how do, how do both the things work? Because Jesus says those that have the love of the world in them don't have the love of the Father. Jesus sets the standard high, but it's grace when we're walking in it and we get so filled with the reckless love of God that that's the empowerment to live it out. But none of us ever want to stay in the place that's uncomfortable to get it. Because this is where it happens. It's usually never when you're walking along the beach. I wish it did, but it's always over here that it happens. And so if you're here, you're in good company because there's the harvest. Staring you right in the face. Reading on, look what 17 says. It says, And the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, and they were filled with indignation, or they were filled with jealousy. You want to see a religious spirit, you start going and bringing healing to people. You start dealing with people. You start discipling people. You start taking long-suffering and coming alongside of, of someone who is hurting someone who has made bad decision after bad decision, but needs the grace of God. Alan was sharing down in the meeting, a patient that he had, had come into uh, where he was um, treating people. And this patient had uh, dealt with heroin issues, drug issues. And he, he was saying he noticed who the girl was. This girl used to be in her karate, his karate class growing up. And so seeing this girl, seeing what she's going through, and he was sharing that, he could tell on her face that he was waiting, she was waiting for a look from him just saying, what are you doing? I, I can't believe this. This is you now? But here's how Alan brought healing into this situation. He went over to her, gave her a hug, and said, everything's going to be okay. Because when we feel we've messed up or we've been in a hard place, we don't feel like we're worth anything. That's the greatest opportunity for the church to arise and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about some of the people that he helped and healed. Jesus always leaned down, got into the mess, and brought healing. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not called to point fingers and judge, but we're to invite them in and say, hey, you can be healed, and here's the kingdom of God of how you stay healed. Because if you don't maintain your health, if you don't take your vitamins, if you don't exercise, then you're going to pay a great price. And so the kingdom of God maintains your health because it's principles given from heaven 
into our lives to heal us, to sustain us. That's why he gives us the church. It's a hospital, guys, to stay healed. It's a hospital to stay whole because he desires for us to be whole people, whole persons in spirit, in mind, and in body. When one area isn't working together, you're out of rhythm. Here's what I love, and this is, again, what I want to leave you with this morning. So as the religious, as the Pharisees, they were sick and tired of the apostles just going and healing and jealous because of how they saw God moving in the apostles and the disciples' lives. So it says they went and they put their hands on them and they put them in prison. But look what it says. It says in verse 19, but at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And look what, the, look what the angel of the Lord commissioned them. And this is our commission this morning. Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. The New Living Translation, go and speak of the new life. Go and speak of the kingdom of God. Because the world needs to know because Jesus is the answer. He is the name above every name. He's the name that every addiction, every authority, every evil power, every unclean thing has to bow its head to. Here's what's amazing too. When, G- when Jesus was being tempted in his 40-day fast, and the devil took Jesus up and showed him everything that he could have. If you go and you read the scripture of that account, it says that the enemy showed everything Jesus could have in a moment. But if you go and you read scripture... Scripture says that the kingdom of God knows no end. So the best the devil has for you and I is to put us in a place and just say, look what you can have now, 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 now. Quick fix, quick fix. Look, this can be you. You can go here. You can forego this area and, and, I'll, and I'll put you here. But if you just sell your soul, then you can get here. But the kingdom of God knows no end. But the devil wants to just show us that you can get here in a hop, skip, and a jump. And you can forgo that process, but at the very end, you've sold your soul and you're left empty. At some point in our lives, we've all believed that lie because it sounds good. But as it says in Hebrews, what does the word of God do? It discerns, it divides, it penetrates, it gives you discerning power. Because more than ever, you need to know the discerning power of God. You need to know what is good and what is God. What is good and what is God. So my heart for you this morning is that you would know what your purpose is. And it's what Jesus said. That you would bring healing to a broken world and tell people the kingdom of God is near. That you would bring healing to a broken world and tell people that the kingdom of God is near. And as Paul said, as the angel Lord said, go and stand in the temple. What, what is a temple? If you were to understand the temple in those times, it would be the place that you would come and worship. But the New Testament tells us that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you're the temple going into wherever you go, your work life, when you leave here and you go to eat, guess what? You're bringing the temple of the Holy Spirit into the restaurant. And you know what's neat? I've been out to eat with some of you and, and you would tip a, a waitress generous and say, hey, God bless you, God loves you. If you've ever been a server or a waitress, you know how much that means. And there's no, no better way to tell somebody that they're valued or that they're loved but by putting your money where your mouth is. Right. Right. 
And we learned about that through the blessed life, of how money speaks louder than words. Actions always speak louder than words. So it's amazing the resources that you have that you might not even realize you have to bring healing and to tell people the kingdom of God is near. So this morning, if you stand to your feet, I want us to pray and I want us to sing this song over our life. I want you to leave here encouraged. I want you to leave, I want you to leave here feeling powered up and knowing that you can bring healing to a broken world and show people with your life, with your words, of how good the kingdom of God is. If you bow your head and close your eyes with me. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness. That you've been so, so kind to us. That you've lavished your mercy upon us, Father. And out of that, God, we want to give it all back to you. Because one day, we want to hear that we lived our life on mission and on purpose. That we loved God and we loved people. We loved our neighbor as ourself. God, I pray for every believer here, every disciple. God, that they would stay close to your word and they would lean in for your whisper, God, to hear your voice. And God, that they would understand that they're an apostle, that they're sent out to take the message to the uttermost bounds of the earth. But most importantly, take the message into their homes and into their families, into their workplace. When they go to lunch today, God, that we would open up our eyes and we would go stand in the temple and we would speak the new life. Our world needs it, Father. All 32,000 people in Florence need it. And God, Gathering Place Church could be the answer. Jesus, we exalt you. You're our reason that we have breath in our lungs, that we have life. God, this morning as we lift up what your love has done for us, God, I pray that as Holy Spirit, you bring up things right here, right now, that your light would shine in that shadow of our lives, that it would kick down a wall of shame, of guilt, God can't use me. I'm too old. I'm too young. Whatever the excuse is, God, kick that excuse down. And God, that we would see the harvest come in, but understanding that harvest is hard. But God, that we might lose our parking spot one Sunday morning, or we might not sit in our seat that we always sit on. But God, you're all about reaching people. That's what you gave your life for. That's what you're all about is people. So let us have your heart, deposit your heart into us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.